If it is your first time, I'm ending a series, a very unusual series, on the biography of J.R.R. Tolkien, who's the author of The Lord of the Rings. So this is not your typical type of a sermon, and I just I, I felt like I needed to, to, to do this because uh, during this last season, I caught myself quoting him, and I said, it feels like we're going from the firing, frying pan into the fire, right? So I, that came out of my mouth, and that sparked the idea of, uh, you know, Mr. Tolkien, and I've I made an argument that he's the most influential Christian in the 20th and the 21st century just by way of, of the popularity of his writings. And, and hopefully I've communicated that he was a devout Christian who loved Jesus. I mean, he's just, he's, he, he's an amazing. And if you read the stories, and hopefully you saw it when I was highlighting with those illustrations of the movies, um, if you see it a certain way, you'll see the gospel in his stories, right? So, one of his... He's got two major themes that he works out. And we see these themes that he works out in his own personal life and, and how he grew up and, and what he was exposed to. His overall communication that he, wants to, um, that he wants to encourage us to do is he wants people to gravitate towards moral courage. And I think that the church needs moral courage now more than ever. So there's something, there's a fight inside of us that needs to say, we're going to stand up and we're going to have moral courage to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to live the best life that we can possibly live within the means of our own strength, and to honor God with our lives. In essence, our lives will be an expression of worship. We worship today, but did you know when you leave the doors, worship continues? So you need courage to worship God with your life. One of the ways that he highlights this is that, and this is, this is last week's message, in the darkest of moments, in, in times when you feel completely lost, when you feel plagued by either evil or sickness or depression, in your darkest moment, my friends, you have to know that the Lord is with you. Like, you don't feel his presence. You don't, you're not in an, you know, in an excited state. You're like, things are hard, but the Lord is with you. And one of the beautiful things that he does in his books, in the darkest moments, in the darkest caverns, in the darkest caves, surrounded by evil, surrounded by monsters, you can find light, and you can find beauty. Tolkien is a master of highlighting something beautiful in a dark place. That is one of his major themes. Listen to last week if you need a little more on that. The other major theme that he fleshes out is the fall of prideful men. The fall that takes place when, when I say men, I'm not saying just dudes, like everybody, like mankind. When mankind, when civilization builds itself up to such a level where it states and declares either in action or even verbally, uh, uh, we don't need God anymore, we can, do it our, we can do it all by ourselves. Thank you very much. 
when humanity, when civilization, when mankind gets to that point where they have determined in their heart that they no longer need God, they can do it on their own, then you're, you're headed for a fall. Tolkien is going after the original sin. What do you think the original sin is? Is it lust? Is it desiring a tasty apple? Ah, close. It's pride. So there's this pride that welled up and the, the, the temptation that was spoken into Adam and Eve's ears. Like, no, you, you can be like God. There, right there is the temptation. You can be like God. How does, that, how, how does that get translated into everyday life? Well, the enemy of God will whisper into our ears, and the enemy of God will say, you, you can be your own boss. You can be the captain of your own ship. You're in control of this thing. And once we begin to carry ourselves and act like we're in charge or we, we don't need a divine source for correction, we don't need a divine source for inspiration, we don't need a divine source for help or healing, when that pride comes in, well, frankly, the, the Spirit of God has to back off because we told him to back off. And you don't have the Spirit covering you anymore. What Tolkien realized in his own life and his own experiences, he was living in the time, and he was, he was born in South Africa. So he's, he's British, right? But he was born in South Africa. What, what's going on here? What's going on here is the Brits were ruling the world. The British Empire, they had colonies everywhere. We were one of them. But they ruled the world. And he was born into that context. And near the end of his life and ended in his writings, he saw the decline of the British Empire. And that marked him. He, they, that got him thinking. They got him thinking about ancient Rome. You know that ancient Rome, like all our, our government is based on Roman law and everything. We're, we're, we're probably more Roman than we realize. But he was, a, he was a student of history. And what he saw happen to Rome, he saw happen to the British Empire. And what man can build in empire building is absolutely astonishing. But there's a cycle. They all fall. Every empire falls. Rome was a lean, mean, organized fighting machine. They had that thing dialed in. The world had never seen a machine like the Roman Empire. And it grew and it conquered. It took over the known world. It became prosperous. How many people want to be prosperous? Because being broke sucks. How many people want to be prosperous? It is okay to want to be prosperous. But they got wealthy. And they needed more and more and more. And that whole machine just took over to where they were stealing so much wealth from other nations and other countries and other people groups. They had so much money they didn't know what to do with it. 
power, and what does too much wealth, what does that lead to? Corruption, sickness, debauchery. We think that what we are going through in our culture today is something new. It is not something new. The Romans did it 2,000 years ago. They, they were, they were cross-dressing then, too. This is not, what we're dealing with is nothing new, folks. But we can, we can and we should learn from history. Because that empire came tumbling down. If the Roman Empire was this lean, mean fighting machine like a like an MMA fighter, right? By the by the time that it was over with, the Roman Empire was this decrepit, obese, non-effective sickness on the planet. So the same thing uh, took place in the British Empire. Tolkien recognized it. He was asked the question, so uh, how, do you feel about your, how do you feel about your nation? He's like, oh, I love my nation. I love my country. I love, I love English. I am, I'm an English man. But I'm not all about this empire. Because I'm definitely not on board with the Commonwealth, which the, common, the British Commonwealth. Uh, again, this is why we're no longer British, because we didn't like them taking our stuff, right? Well, what is the whole point of the revolution? We don't want to pay taxes. No taxation without representation. I'm not okay with oppressing people. Let me, um, okay, this is going to be a tough one. Hang with me. This is uh, Ezekiel chapter 7. All right, I love the worship set that we had today, and I think it's going to balance out what I'm about to read. This, if, if you are, if you're new, if you're, welcome to Granite Creek. We hope you come back. This is not a seeker-sensitive scripture that I'm about to read here. All right, so just hang on. Hang on to your horses. Ezekiel chapter 7 says, the end has come. The kingdom of Israel, the United Kingdom, was once very powerful. It had everything. It had gold laying around the streets. And then it all fell to pieces. And here's why. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the land of Israel. The end, the end has come. It's come upon the four corners of the land. The end is now and it is upon you. I will unleash my anger against you. Okay? You guys okay? All right. I will judge you according to your conduct, and I will repay you for all the, your detestable practices. Um, what? Okay, these, this is God's people. These are the people of Israel. And they were performing detestable practices. Do not allow your imaginations to go wild, but I can tell you that it was bad. In the temple, they were making sacrifices to other gods. At one point, in the temple, the Jewish temple, 
the temple of the Lord, the temple of Yahweh. Some king had the bright idea that he would get more favor if he sacrificed children. So these are the detestable practices that has taken place. That wealth led to a debauchery that uh, would make most of our skin crawl. Right. I will surely repay you for your conduct and for your detestable practices among you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Disaster. <laughs> disaster. Unheard of disaster. See, it comes. The end has come, and the end has come. And it has aroused itself against you. See, it comes. Doom has come upon you, upon all who dwell in the land. The time has come. The day is near. There is a panic. Do not joy. Do not joy on the mountains. I am about to pour out my wrath on you. I will spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for detestable practices. I will not look upon you with pity. I will not spare you. I will repay you for the conduct and the detestable practices among you. All right. If I could have the band come up to the front, please. And I'm going to give uh, Joe's Bible back. Joe Robles bought his Bible today, and a little fancy laptop went out on me. So I do have one scripture in there, though. That's a hard scripture, right? Does God still judge us for our conduct and our behavior? Does he, does he judge the nations? like he did in the past? Oh, I think so. My purpose in this heavier type of a message is that not motivate you by fear, because that's easy. My purpose is to prepare you for what could happen. My purpose is to say we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We need to put our faith and our trust completely in him alone. We need to make sure that our children are strong during this season. Because if you're watching the news, I don't know what's going to happen in this world. I love this country. I'm like Tolkien. I'm an American. I love it. I don't love everything that she has done. But I love being an American. But if we learn anything from history, empires rise and empires fall. And if we could uh, line ourselves up line by line with the British Empire and with the Roman Empire, and if we could see what they did, if we could learn something from history, oh, I think that we probably should wake up. Like, I'm not saying that we can fix it. I know there's, there's, a, lot of, um, there's a lot of talk, and this, this could happen. We could, we could turn back to the Lord, and America could could repent and turn back to the Lord. That's a possibility. I'm a little more uh, uh, cynical than that. I'm not quite sure if that's a possibility, personally. So, I mean, God can do anything. But what I am telling you, come what may, you just need to be ready. You need to make your kids ready. When we have world leaders rattling, rattling their uh, nuclear saber swords, when we have nations like Iran like coming apart at the seams, uh, well, my next series is going to be on Revelation. Like, we just need to get ready. And not, not again, not out, of, not out of state of fear, 
Again, I don't want to motivate you by fear. I just want you to see that there, that there is things in history, there's cycles that we can learn from. Well, I'll show you what I mean visually. Uh, Crystal, if we could bring up that first cycle, the black one, white one, not that one. There we go. So our nation, and maybe you, you, you are people of faith. Some of us are born into a Christian family. We're born into faith, which is an amazing thing. I actually believe that people that are born into a faith structure have more resilience than, than others. So uh, keep your kids in church. So from faith, you just get a little bit of faith, then you can get a whole lot of courage, moral courage to face the things that come. From courage, then there's liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's freedom. There's liberty. Freedom from sin. Freedom from bondage. And then comes abundance, right? And there's nothing wrong with abundance. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. God even says it. I know it's, it's prosperity gospel stuff, and everybody is, like, down on that, and they should be because, you know, there's been some bad things that have happened in church. Regardless, they can't argue with the scriptures that God wants to bless you, and he wants, to, he wants you to live an abundant life. So an abundance is great. He really does desire that for your life. But after abundance, when you have everything that you need and, and what you need, and well, is this not good enough? Then you get selfish. After selfishness comes complacency. After complacency comes apathy. Do you know what apathy is? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't care. Whatever. After apathy, despondence. It is where bitterness seeps in. Like, you just hate the world and you hate everybody in it. It's all about pleasing your own self. And you get to that point and you're in full-blown bondage. Right back, and then you've completed this cycle. You've completed this circle. Uh, it, it's, it's highlighted in the book of Judges. Let's look at the next one. This might make a little more sense. But the people of God, they were in bondage. They went from being in bondage to being set free to prosperity. From prosperity, they fell into idolatry. Because once again, God isn't good enough. And they need a new fancy God. They need a new fancy idol. They need something with, with lasers and haze machines. Because God's not good enough. From idolatry, you fall back into oppression. And then, when people find themselves back in bondage, back in, back in a hurting state, they cry out to God. Because they've hit rock bottom. How many people have cried out to God after you've hit rock bottom? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good place to be. It's a good place to be rock bottom. Put that in your mind for a second. I'm going to circle back to that later. Then God raises up a judge, a prophet, a leader. The oppressor is destroyed, and peace comes again, followed by prosperity. So there's this, this cycle begins full circle. Let me read you this quote. This is from Will Durant, and this is from the story of civilization. A nation is born stoic. Do you know what stoic is? Okay, stoic is Captain Spock. Or Mr. Spock. That's stoicism. Okay, and, and stoicism is, is that lean, mean, logical, we're going to get it done, we're going to do it the right way, there's no fat, 
we're just going to be we're going to be systematic and we're going to be awesome. A nation is born stoic and then it dies epicurean. You know what an epicurean is? So these are philosophy words. An epicurean is Captain Kirk. An epicurean um, their main goal and their strategy in life is to minimize pain and maximize pleasure. That's what they do. Um, hey, that's what Americans do. Like we we run our lives to where we're going to be okay. I'm gonna I'm I can I'm gonna try and you know organize my life where there's less ten, as much less tension as there possibly can be, less discomfort. Like I don't want to have to sacrifice anything, but I want to maximize my entertainment value, right? I want to be entertained. I want mo the most pleasure I can possibly get out of this life. I want to take the life. And I want to squeeze it until I get all the juice out of it. Max minimizing pain, maximizing pleasure. At its cradle, religion stands and philosophy accompanies it to the grave. Okay, does that make sense? So we begin, you begin, our nation began with God in the center. It was a religious expression. And that religious expression turned into a philosophy a philosophical expression. And when you go from a religion, when you go from a relationship into a philosophy, you go into theory, well, then you just break that relationship with your creator. In the beginning, all cultures strong and religious, faith conceals and softens the nature of things and gives men courage to bear pain and hardship. At every step, the gods are with them. And they will not let them perish until they do. Even then, a man's faith will explain what it, what it was, what a man's faith will explain that it was the sins of the people that turned their gods to avenge them in wrath. wrath. Evil does not destroy faith, but strengthens it. If victory comes, if war, if war is forgotten and security and peace, then wealth grows, the life of the body gives way, and the pleasures cease. Science weakens faith, even while throughout a comfort weakens uh, virtuality and fortitude. At last, men begin to doubt God. They mourn the tragedies of knowledge, and they seek refuge in every passing delight. It is Achilles at the beginning, the warrior, the fighter, right? and Epicurus, the glutton at the end. David, King David comes first. David is our Achilles. And then Job. And then after Job, Ecclesiastes. If you're familiar with your Bible, if you're familiar with the story, David united the kingdom. He, uh, he was the first king. And two generations later, the whole thing went down south. Probably one of the biggest failures in human history was that kingdom. Nations rise and fall. I'm not sure exactly where we're at. But I have a more important question. Where are you in this cycle? Who cares about the nation right now? Well, I care about the nation, obviously. But let's not get completely consumed with the top down, let's look
from the grassroots up. What is more important? The condition and the state of your soul or the condition and the state of your government? What is more important? What does God want to, where, where does God see you on this cycle? Are you in bondage? Are you stepping out of bondage into a purifying state, a desert season, where God wants to begin to transform you? He's, he's rescued you from slavery, and now it's time to do some discipleship? In, are, are, you, are you there, or are you going into prosperity? Does God want to prosper you? Does God want to bless you so you can bless, bless others? Where are you? Or are you headed in, are you, have you gone beyond abundance, and you're now you're, you, maybe you moved into some selfishness? Is selfishness getting you where you want to maximize your pleasure and minimize your pain? All right. Hopefully this will encourage you. This is 2 Peter 3.10. Remember that Ezekiel scripture I read that was pretty heavy? Listen to this one. That's not, that's not that bad. <laughs> but same topic, the day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night and then heaven will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned and dissolved and the earth and the worlds that are done it will all be exposed since all of these things are thus to be dissolved what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of the holiness and godliness awaiting for for and hastening has come of the day of God, because which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth which righteousness dwells. Right? So in the Old Testament, it says, You've all been bad, and you've got to pay the price. I'm, the Lord is going to judge our evil deeds. But thank the Father he sent his son. Like, the days are going to get dark. I don't know when that's going to be, but the, I can relationship with God then his judgment his wrath has been poured out upon his son and not you and his promise that we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells meaning that in the future God will make all things new and you will win in the future, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, these things will not trouble us. We will have an inner strength. We will be able to go into the unknown with confidence and security. You may be thinking, I don't know, Pastor Josh. 
you don't know my life. I don't. Here's the, here's the truth. All have failed, right? All, the scriptures say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus still loves you. And he has made a way for people that have failed. This is the final Tolkien clip and that we're going to wrap up with. And if you remember, and if you've seen the movies or read the book, our hero, Frodo, he, is, he has this incredible, difficult task to destroy the ring. And if you remember from the, the series, the ring represents the machine, right? M like it represents man's technology to, to, to take God out of the equation. And so the last scene is that Frodo has gone through all of this hardship. He's had so many victories. He's had so many close calls. And finally, through the help of his friends, he gets to the very edge of Mount Doom, and he's about ready to throw this ring in. Now, at this point, liter and, you know, in literature, um, we do this in movies. This is the genius of Tolkien. We do this in movies all the time. We, we, we insert the Christ image here, right? The one who dies for everyone else, the one who takes one for the team. Now, if this was Hollywood writing this story, they would have had Frodo fall back into the lava in the form of a cross. And then we would all have got it, you know, un unconsciously. And, and Tolkien was actually wrestling around with this idea, but he had such a regard for Christ. And even though that Frodo is a very strong Christ type, he, he, he so much. He's like, yeah, like Frodo did all of these Christ things, but he's not Jesus. And so he wrote Frodo not as being Jesus. He wrote Frodo as being us in this last scene. And so he's about ready. He's, about, he's got the machine in his hand, right? And he's about ready to take his cell phone and drop it into the fire. But then his cell phone chimes, and he can't stop. And he goes, my precious. And he fails. He fails at that moment. When I first read it, because I thought I knew where the story was going, I thought he was going to fall back into the fire like, like Jesus would for us. No, no, he's not. He's us. He fails at the very last moment. He totally blows it. Like, totally blows the whole thing. You know what that means for us? Is that it's okay to blow it as long as you always return back to the Lord. Do you know what it also means for us? When, when dark times come, do you know that there's light there? It's going to lead you. It's going to guide you. And, and if we teach our kids to walk in the light, they're going to be okay. They're going to be strong. They're going to be resilient. You know, there's, there's hope beyond this world. I like this. I mean, I know it's, cr it's a crazy world we live in, and I like this world, and I like things, and I like you most of the time. <laughs> I do. I love it. Like, and this is an exciting time to live in. 
I mean, we thought that the first century was exciting. I think this is probably more exciting than the first century. You can't live in a, any, in a more exciting time than this. And there's hope. No matter what happens, there's hope. Pastor Josh, I've got so much sin in my life. And it almost feels like no matter how many church services you go to, no how many times you get prayed for, no matter how many times you've been delivered, you just still feel that it's there. You know why you still feel that it's there? Because it's still there. And we carry the scars of our, of our sins and our wounds with us, but they're going to go away someday. They will completely go away. So that's the setup. Uh, Frodo has completely failed his mission. It's a big giant failure. He did not act like Christ at the very end. He acted like us. And now the story has ended. And he is carrying a weight and a pain that is very, very heavy. And he's about to sail off into the sunset. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what's going on. He's going to heaven. Let's go ahead and run that clip. Farewell, my brave hobbits. My work is now finished. Here at last, on the shores of the sea, comes the end of our fellowship. I will not say do not weep, for not all tears are an evil.
deserve to sail off into heaven. It is a gift. We, we don't deserve to go to heaven because we're so tainted, but it is a gift. What we deserve is what the world has done, and we deserve that judgment. But the good news is, if you receive this element, you receive the body of Christ, and if you drink of this cup, the new covenant, you are proclaiming that that wrath and that judgment has been poured out on Christ on our behalf. And we have been set free. This is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. And the scriptures say that there is any unforgiveness in your heart towards your brothers and sisters. If there is any bitterness, if you are holding anybody captive in your mind, then you shouldn't need it. If you view people as being lepers or less than you, then you shouldn't eat of this bread. This bread, his body, was broken for us. Your body is here. Your physical body is here, but your body is also sitting next to you and in front of you and in back of you, the body of Christ. The Bible says that we must do business with God before we sit at his table and, and we eat. So let's do that right now, my friends. Heavenly Father, before we take a part in your provision, forgive us of our sins. If there is anyone in our lives that have, have offended us or hurt us and that we have not forgiven them. I pray, Lord, that you will highlight that so we don't eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. For us, harboring the worst of all sins, the sin of pride. Forgive us of that sin. We are your servants, Lord. We are your hands. We are your feet. Forgive us of prideful sin. You are the captain of our ship, not us. Receive the body of Christ. The blood of Christ. Without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So no matter where you are on that cycle, you need this cup. The beautiful thing about the new covenant is that you don't have to hit rock bottom anymore to turn to the Lord. We practice as believers in the body of Christ. We, we, we should be practicing. You should be connected with one another. And you should be able to confess your sins to one another. We practice confession. It is okay. To say, you know what, I've been a little selfish this week. It is okay, you know what, I've been a little debauched this week. 
break out of that cycle and break into grace. The grace of God will meet you wherever you're at. And if you've been honest with the Lord and if you're in a personal relationship with him, he'll let you know if you're being too greedy. The Holy Spirit comes in and convicts. I would rather have the Holy Spirit come in and convict me where I'm at than have to hit rock bottom again in, in order to learn my lesson. Let's just break out of that cycle right now by taking of this cup. There is no forgiveness of sins without the partaking of this cup. Thank you, Jesus, for giving it. All right, and if I could have the ushers come to the front. Does that feel better? Yeah. Doesn't that feel good? Let's pray for the offering. Thank you guys so much for your faithfulness. We couldn't do falling to fun or living nativity without your tithes, without your offerings. So thank you for giving back to the Lord and making him your priority. Heavenly Father, thank you for the work that you're that your son did on the cross for us. And although we don't deserve it, and maybe at times we think that we deserve to be blessed, we know that it is only in you that we can move forward with faith and with confidence. So we submit our lives to you wholeheartedly. Bless this offering, Lord, in your name.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you, to turn towards you in your times of darkness. And may he fill your home with that light and love of God. May you feel the peace of God. May you feel his presence and his provision. God bless you guys. Have a powerful week. Thank you.